Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. I'm Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hey, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. This week, we look at the future of V8 street races and hear from Will Davison on his Hidden Valley disappointment. Yeah, we, you know, we, we just didn't have the cars right. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Now here's the news, brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Todd Kelly has talked about the logistics of getting all the new parts for the Nissan Car of the Future together. Yeah, well, luckily we've got one of our new factories out the back, the biggest one, which is still... Incomplete. It's the only factory that is a non-production factory. It was going to be the big display centre and entry to the race team. So that's the last project that we're going to complete. And um, it's quite fortunate because um, at least half or two-thirds of that factory are full of Nissan parts that have all been air freighted in. Um, extremely impressed with how efficient that whole thing's been right from the start, given that uh, a lot of it comes from all over the world and most importantly, the car had only really just been released or not even released. It was not even released when we received all of that stuff and a lot of it was only just getting signed off for production. So to tap into that and for Nissan to get us what we need to, to complete the design and build of these cars was um, extremely impressive and efficient. Todd also discussed the relationship that the team's building with the Nissan factories in both Japan and North America. Yeah, it's not... It's not just actual raw parts. Like we really couldn't do anything with this whole project until we had the CAD of the car. So, as you could imagine, the process to go and get all of the computer designs of a complete car um, four months, three months before it was even released to the media, um, I knew that it was going to be quite difficult. But um, again, I was extremely surprised in, in how quick and effective the whole communication thing works internally through Nissan even to get on and uh, initially we went in to Nissan's head office and did a number of conference calls to Japan and to um, America and all over the place to set this whole thing up the scene for the whole thing of what we actually required to build a race car out of the road car um, and then had the flow on of that in such a large company and how um, fast and streamlined and effective it actually was was very surprising for myself and all of our engineers here. So we got the cat of the car and isolated isolated the components that we needed to build a race car. And then it was, yeah, all systems go to get these parts um, put into production if they weren't already and try and get them air freighted over. And uh, 
now we have a factory that um, we have enough parts that we could pretty much build nine Nissan race cars out of, which is, um, you know, it's a pretty big statement given a lot of the other teams at the moment and how much stock and inventory they actually have to build next year's cars. I think in certain areas, even though we've got a massive design task ahead, um, in certain areas we're already a long way in front of it, which is, um, you know, it's pretty good to, to have that luxury with um, the way Nissan works. The Gold Coast 600 was launched late last week with ex-Formula 1 driver Nick Heifeld and IndyCar star Marco Andretti announced as international co-drivers at the event launch. Also announced to make his return to the event with James Courtney at HRT is Darren Turner, who had to sub following the death of Dan Weldon last year. Heifel will be teaming up with David Reynolds in the Bottolo Falcon, whilst Andretti will drive with Todd Kelly in the Jack Daniels Commodore. The announcement late last week adds to the already confirmed drivers of Sebastian Bourdais, Richard Lyons, Gianni Morbidelli, Max Pappas, Peter Knox and Boris Said. Tony Cochran responded to comments over the future of the event on the Gold Coast. Discussions have been taking place in the Queensland Government on funding of events and the V8 boss said that the event on the Gold Coast was one of the best return on investments the struggling region had last year. The Gold Coast Bulletin is weighing in. It's done a vox pop on the event with 7 out of 10 Gold Coasters all saying that the event should continue to receive funding. Well, if that wasn't bad enough, this week Cochran again had to defend V8 Supercar's street racing circuit strategy and it was the Cairns Post that report that negotiations for the Northern Queensland event are now on hold. TC this time on the front foot saying that there's other regions in North Queensland that are interested in V8 Supercars and the loss would be Townsville's, not V8 Supercars. Well, certainly the struggles for V8 Supercar Street events is not lost on the fans who want the series to return to some of the more traditional venues. So far, the series has had the Canberra race cancelled by the ACT government, who said they didn't get enough return on investment. V8 Supercars pulled out of Hamilton because it did not look like they could get enough return on their investment. And the New South Wales government is also talking that they will not continue support for the Sydney Olympic Park circuit. Now, the doubt over the Queensland street races may put the series in jeopardy of reducing rounds, not expanding them, which was one of the reasons for the car of the future to be introduced. And finally, it was expected this week that V8 Supercars would be announcing the format for the Austin round of the 2013 championship. Frosty Winterbottom headed over to America along with Daily Telegraph reporter James Phelps to visit with Marcus Ambrose and then take a first-hand look at the new circuit currently under construction. This is uh, probably as close to Bathurst as any track I've seen purely because of the undulation. You've got blind corners, um, you've got the length, you've got the speed and uh, I think this is going to build up to be a historic track for America as well and that's you know, Bathurst's got all them, but it's got the history, so uh, we'll build our own history here, and I'm sure this is going to be America's version of Bathurst. The race to be held in May 2013. And that's the news for Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range at www.nobrac.com.au. After the break, Tony Shebecki and Stefan Bartholomeus join me for Controversy Corner. When we return on the V8 Insiders. 
News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me this week from SEN's On The Grid, it's Tony Shebecki. Good evening, Tony. Hello, Craig. How are you, buddy? I'm doing very well, as is this man, Stefan Bartholomew from speedcafe.com.au, who is on the sick list, but is back fighting fit, which is good to hear. I am, Craig. Thanks for having me. And, guys, interesting week that we've had. We had uh, Tony uh, Tony Cochran at the press conference at uh, the Gold Coast, immediately on the back foot about what's going on with the Gold Coast and the future funding and, and contract negotiations of it, Stefan. And once you have uh, that discussion, we roll into this week where the discussion is the future of Townsville. Gee, these street circuits are looking pretty shaky. Yes, they are. I mean, uh, it's the danger of uh, holding a press conference where you announce uh, three international drivers that the general media have never heard of before. It's uh, all very exciting for us motorsport people to know that Nick Heidfeld and Marco Andretti and Darren Turner are coming, but uh, the general press haven't heard of these blokes. And uh, all that turns into then is a press opportunity for the uh, for the journos to ask uh, doomsday questions about the future of the event. So um, Queensland at the moment, you've got to sort of keep it in the context of... Uh, of the budget cuts that are happening there in that uh, Campbell Newman government, and it's a bit like Vodafone's decision to uh, to step back from V8 Supercars wasn't about V8 Supercars itself; it was about uh, the greater issues at play for Vodafone at that time. So uh, there'll certainly uh, be more questions asked about both of those street races that uh, the Queensland government are currently bankrolling in the future. Mm. And that, that's the big thing, Tony, which uh, you hear every year down in Melbourne about the future of the Grand Prix. It is a yeah. big, big funding issue for governments. Yeah, a little bit different. Uh, Grand Prix costs $50 million a year. I'm not sure if uh, Townsville or the Gold Coast are going to go anywhere near that amount. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking, according to if I'm wrong, that about uh, 3 or $4 million a year the government puts in for those races individually. Mm. But that's one government, so you can say $6 million oh. from Queensland. Yeah, and I agree. It's a, I mean, it's a, a massive input from government, and I can understand, you know, the times are tough at the moment, and everyone's watching their pennies and the like. Uh, the big decision v have to make now, which, uh, which road do they take? Do they continue trying to find street tracks, knowing that they need the government's money to fund the street tracks, and knowing that at some point governments may pull funding or do they bite the bullet and just uh, go back to an all-circuit championship? I can't see that happening. Uh, I would have thought that they'd have to incorporate some street circuits. We know that New South Wales and uh, and Homebush is also 
very shaky, if not uh, doing already. And Hamilton, we know we've lost that. So we're going to a, a permanent circuit over there in Pukekohe in New Zealand once again. It's uh, yeah, some interesting times ahead for uh, for the Water V8. And that's two critical races that Tony's just mentioned, Stefan. He's mentioned Hamilton, which V8 supercars were footing the bill for, and they said, mm, we're not going to make any money of this, we're going to move it. And Sydney, of course... New South Wales government saying, yeah, you can run at Sydney as much as you like. We're just not going to put in any additional funding, but you're welcome to run there. And what we're hearing is V8 supercars are going, we don't make enough money from this to justify continuing. And and that's a critical thing because if other people are looking around saying, well, these guys won't even put their money into it, why will we? Yeah, well, it's one of those things where worldwide I'm not sure if too many street circuit motor racing events operate on a profit they've got to be done on the basis that the government slash councils whatever bodies are putting money in on the basis that they'll get uh, they'll get a tourism return for their dollar mm. and they'll get the economic benefit which is uh, many times more than than the actual net lost profit so um yeah it's difficult i think um for uh, for the Gold Coast and Townsville, we'll uh, we'll see they're both um, successful events in uh, various economic indicators. Say they're successful, but questions have been really on the Gold Coast event um, since the IndyCars left. Um, it's it's an international tourism exposure that the Queensland government have always said that they want, and um, whether the supercars can ever really provide that is something that uh, I'm not sure about. It, it is interesting because these street circuits came about because of the f- success of Clipsal, Tony, and and that model proved successful, which is what was sold to everyone else. But I think anyone that knows the game knows that the success of Clipsal is on the back of their Grand Prix years, and the fact that um, and, and the fact that Adelaide was able to pull that team together and do it very cost effectively with what they changed to make that event uh, now into the premier event of the year. Precisely, Craig, and uh, I mean, even to the extent that the Adelaide government, we know are funding a, a feasibility study as to whether they could have a night race at Clipsal on the Saturday night, which I believe uh, has come back as a figure of somewhere around the $14 million mark for the initial infrastructure, and then $2 million a year or something after that, or, or figures of, to that amount. So... Uh, Adelaide, the Adelaide government haven't uh, shied away from their uh, investment in the V8 supercars, knowing that Clipsal is such a major part of their sporting calendar. I uh, just wish that some of the other governments might realise that uh, V8 supercars can work hand-in-hand hand with them in regards to bringing a, a big return, if not uh, locally, but uh, definitely with tourist dollars. Mm. Now, I did mention in the news, the first street circuit to fall over was uh, the Canberra event, and in fact... That was a, a very different situation to what we're seeing here because it wasn't economic times. It was basically a change in government which has then seen that they their government position was we are not going to have a race here. And they, in fact, didn't let the contract run out. They paid V8 supercars not to turn up. So, in fact, that became the most profitable events of that year because they got the money and they didn't have to come down to Canberra in the middle of winter. Well, one might say, though, too, that uh, Homebush 
uh, and the decision there, and also the decisions up in Queensland are also based around a change of government too, aren't they? The fact that uh, the previous governments did uh, want them and these governments have come in, and while they have uh, cited economic terms as being the reason, uh, one might think that uh, if the previous government had still been in power, that may not have been uh, an issue. Is that the feeling you get from the situation, Stefan? Oh, I think the real the real issue is that government funding for any of these type of events is a cyclic proposition, and um, the street races need funding every single year. Whereas um, places where they've had investment from government in permanent facilities don't require necessarily that annual impetus from the uh, government coffers. So that's probably what the the greater issue is is that um, should future government funding be funnelled towards putting into permanent facilities like we've seen with Barbara Gallo, that structure now is there to be used year on year and it doesn't need millions and millions poured in. Mm. And I think that's a critical point, Tony, that a lot of fans, they go to a street race and... uh, they get introduced to it. The viewing generally is poor at a street race for a, for a general admission, and they go, oh, I'm not going back there, I'll just keep watching it on TV. Whereas if you go to a permanent road circuit, you buy a general admission, you can go to six or seven points normally at a street circuit, at a, sorry, a permanent circuit, and sit there for a few hours, watch the cars doing their thing through that particular segment of the track, and then go to another point and have equally good viewing this is a thing that the street circuits don't lend themselves to and possibly alienates fans from going to another race. Let's cut to the chase, boys. Without street circuits, V8 Supercars is in trouble here in this country. Uh, V8 Supercars is a fantastic category. V8 Supercars is a strong category. But I don't know whether we're going to get enough people through the doors to support just permanent circuits at, at Winton, at Queensland Raceway and the like. I don't know whether we're going to get enough people through the doors to make V8 supercars a viable proposition for the sponsors and the like to come on board. Street circuits do that because they can get some massive size, they get some great TV coverage and the like, but will that happen at a permanent circuit in nowadays? I know it might have happened years ago. Will it happen nowadays? I don't think so. I think it's part of the, the, the extra package that people want. They need the entertainment, they need the bands, they need all that sort of stuff as an inducement to get them through the doors. If we lose our street circuits, we're in a world of problems. Mm. Well, we need to take a break on the Van Insiders. There's plenty more right after this. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. And I've just taken a phone call from Tony Cochran in the break, and he said, don't forget that the biggest street circuit of the year is Bathurst. How could I forget that? Tony Shebecki and Stefan Bartholomew joining me, Craig Ravel. And, uh, of course, guys, 
the debate on street circuits is one that uh, could go on for hours, but I'll, I'll cut it short here because, uh, as uh, as I was reminded, it's the 50th anniversary of Bathurst this year. And, Stefan, you, you just know that uh, with what they're doing at the moment, currently filming ads, it's going to be the all bells and all whistles launch to that event this year. Yes, I think uh, it will be quite a big deal and it's great to see that they really are truly embracing the heritage of the event with encouraging original cars to uh, to attend and uh, using the likes of Dick Johnson in so heavily in the promotion. I think it's uh, something that our supercars should be commended for. Mm. Now, Tony, it's 20 years since Godzilla won Bathurst. Do you think uh, Nissan might be actively pushing their re-entry by promoting the 20-year anniversary of that? Yeah, it might be another 20 years too. Uh, <laughs> not, sorry, that's a very flippant of me to say that. Uh, Nissan will definitely be uh, looking at pr- promoting their inclusion to VO supercars next year by promoting the fact that you're right. Uh, a Nissan Skyline did win around the streets of Bathurst, uh, around the street circuit or the mountain of Bathurst uh, 20 years ago. It's a fantastic opportunity for Nissan to say, hey, look, uh, here we were back then. This is us right now. Uh, there's going to be a lot, I would have thought, that they could do around that. Maybe not so much commercial-wise as in ads uh, on tally and the like. Uh, maybe they might, but I would have thought probably more so trackside. Mm. Yeah, it's a, a campaign that V8 supercars would be very keen to kick off in this second half of the year, Stefan, because they want some good news stories about this car of the future and they definitely want to get some promotion that manufacturers are welcome. Oh, definitely. I guess there, there needs to be a bit of a, an education process uh, and a little bit of hype uh, for the put into the public marketplace before Clipsal next year. Um, Nissan's arrival is uh, basically the success of the car of the future at the moment. It's what they should be uh, hyping up. It's, uh, there's a few people grumbling about the car of the future with the uh, cost and blah, 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 but uh, certainly for one team, it has certainly uh, brought some rewards. So, uh, yeah, promoting that is an absolute must-do for the uh, back half of this year, I would have thought. Mm. Tony, you're such thoughts? a gentleman, Stefan. I've heard stronger words than grumbling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guys, uh, well, one thing that uh, the Kellys are doing right is promoting their team. They had the uh, the showdown last year. I don't know if it's going to get up this year. I think... Uh... Yeah, that's what it is. I'm in episode six. Oh, okay. Jeez. Jeez. It'll be huge this year. Huge. Yes, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Villeneuve going to the Pepsi Max team to fill in for Greg Murphy. Now... That is a great coup, uh, uh, coup. and uh, as you were saying earlier, Stefan, when uh, Tony Cochran has to announce all these guys that aren't very well known internationally, uh, Kelly certainly came out with one name that does cut through into regular media. Of course, in Australia, him having dated Danny Minogue for four or five years also helps with that uh, recognition, uh, brand recognition, you would think. Oh, for sure. Publicity-wise, it, it's a great thing. Um, it's a shame, it should be said, that um, Greg Murphy is uh, the one that's being replaced in this circumstance because, uh, A, no one likes to see anybody injured, but, B, he is also one of the uh, most publicised drivers with a big fan base. But um, considering that negative, to have someone like JV jumping into the series, um, it will create more interest around the Townsville event, both nationally and internationally than uh, we otherwise would have had. He's, uh, 
He's a very polarising driver, a bit like Murph in a way, where he had a lot of success in his career up to a point, and then there's been quite a few years of uh, difficult results. So um, you only had to look at his uh, performance in the Nationwide Series down there at Road America in Wisconsin last weekend, and he's punting Danica Patrick off the road in the last laps, and Tony Uri Jr. is uh, gesticulating at him after the race. It's certainly... Uh, mm. Certainly a guy to bring a bit of interest to the show, whether he can do anything other than create publicity in a Kelly racing car that's not likely to see the front of the field is probably the, uh, the tough part of the weekend for him. Mm. But Tony, uh, I guess once again, V8 supercars are going, yeah, that's great, we got him in Townsville, but damn, why couldn't we have him at Sydney, a Melbourne event, somewhere where the fans, there, there's a bigger concentration of fans which might be driven to going out to see him. Yeah, you're right, Craig, but I'm, uh, as Steph said, uh, unfortunate circumstances have brought his arrival around. If Greg Murphy was fit and well, uh, we wouldn't have seen him at all. Uh, we might have saw him at the Gold Coast 600. Uh, Jimmy's, I, I thought I heard a collective groan uh, down <laughs> pit lane after Jacques Villeneuve's last drive of that supercar at the Gold Coast 600 and even rumblings from uh, most team owners. Oh, God, I don't know we'll ever have him in our car, uh, the way he drives that. But one thing that can be said about Jacques Villeneuve, even though he did cause a fair bit of carnage last time he was down in the Villeneuve supercar, he was quick. He was super fast and uh, was competitive. And uh, if we see that, that'll uh, be a massive bonus for uh, for the Pepsi Max team, for the Kelly team and for Villeneuve supercars. Mm. Well, as we go to air, as this show is... I would normally say live on tape, but since we use computers, I don't know what the equivalent is. Live in uh, ones and zeros. We are recording this before the announcement for Austin, but it is expected, Tony, that Austin, Texas will be announced with a May date and a Gold Coast-like format with uh, Australian and American drivers teaming up for what should be a very interesting race meeting. Makes for a fantastic concept, makes for uh, a great event, I would think, especially if we can get as many of those American drivers as we can. If they can, if they can base it around the weekend where there is no NASCAR, where there is no Sprint Cup, where there is no IndyCar, can you see the likes of Will Power, Ryan Briscoe, all those guys, Jimmy Johnson, uh, just the list goes on. How good would it be having those guys in our car? It, it would just be... Amazing. The, the TV viewing over here would come in at, at pretty good prime time in the afternoon, uh, which isn't too bad. Or, uh, so to do a two o'clock race would probably be uh, late morning, I think, uh, our time, or early morning our time over here, which uh, works in pretty well. I would have thought uh, TV-wise they might even try. Is there a, there's no facility for night races there, boys. Uh, not at the moment at Austin, I don't believe. That would believe. have just made perfect sense if they could do that. Then you'd mm. be getting the vision coming in around about lunchtime on the weekends, which would have been great. But, uh, yeah, interesting to see. Uh, a May race is also interesting too. Uh, what are we going to do off the back of that, boys? Do we just go to America for one race, or is Mexico fitting and, uh, and is that on the cards? Could that be a double announcement? Well, Stephen, do you really want to go to Mexico when you know you could go to Indianapolis and see the 500 or Charlotte for the 600? There's been some Mexican motorsport events that have been a pretty big deal in the past. I'm sort of, when people are talking about Mexico City, I'm uh, remembering Champ Car races with 350,000 fans cheering on Adrian Fernandez and, and the like. So uh, if they could get something up there, it would be uh, a very good thing for the sport. It's um, both, both events, USA and Mexico, 
our places that um, it's got to have local interest to really get any penetration. So how they work the formats is going to be pretty important. But um, certainly Mexico is a big automotive market. And, I mean, Nissan are gearing up to uh, build their third plant over there. They, uh, they're looking at uh, making a million Nissans a year in Mexico in the next couple of years. So um, it certainly uh, ticks some boxes. Mm. Of course, uh, you, you'd have to get them over there and either do them back-to-back or do them within, you know, two weeks of each other, which would mm. mean that May time slot is the busiest time slot of motor racing in the United States. So cut through there would be very difficult, picking your, uh, picking your poison on which race you go up against because it is such a clogged calendar. The other thing I was going to suggest too, boys, is if I remember correctly, isn't Canada, the Formula One Grand Prix, around that time, end of May, early June, mm-hmm. uh, is there a possibility of running on the, another F1 uh, event? Well, I, I haven't heard any talk of Canada there, so you've thrown in an interesting one. But certainly, if Singapore... i to do that every now and then. Yeah, well, that's great. Uh, Stefan, certainly if Singapore goes well, why couldn't they start to pair up more? And Abu Dhabi. Don't forget Abu Dhabi this year. Oh, of course, yes. Abu Dhabi. I think we should just start as many rumours as possible right now. I reckon Monaco is all on. <laughs> Guys, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you both here on the V8 Insiders. And uh, as everyone gets set for Townsville, I'm sure the one thing that everyone's looking forward to is a much warmer climate and uh, and uh, getting back out of what we've been enjoying as a real winter in the southern states. Tony Shebecki on the grid every Sunday morning on SEN and you can listen online no matter where you are in Australia or around the world. Yeah, just download the iPhone app uh, or uh, on the computer, as you said. And uh, when you see, when you read Speed Cafe in the next few weeks, the Canada is our next V8 destination. Don't forget where you heard it first. <laughs> Thank you very much. And, uh, Stefan, always a pleasure to catch up with you. And uh, I hope the uh, latte wasn't too hot at the cafe there. No, it uh, always goes down very well at the cafe. So uh, thanks, boys. I'll talk to you next time. The White Flag Lap is up next here on the V8 Insiders where we hear from Will Davison talking about his disappointment of Hidden Valley. I hope you stay with us. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's Y-Flag Lap, we hear from Will Davison, who spoke to our Peter Norton about his disappointment of having great qualifying speed that didn't quite translate into race victories. Uh, I mean, we've had a great race car all year, but uh, yeah, absolutely here with extremely hot conditions, very slippery track, soft tyres. Uh, yeah, we, you know, we, we just didn't have the cars right in these conditions. The one-lap balance was just brilliant. Um, but uh, yeah, we you know went searching after yesterday's race, sort of outside our normal window with the setup, because you know we knew yesterday's car wasn't good enough. Uh, we actually made it worse today, but you know we had to try something. Um, and obviously, uh, you know we took a bit of a gamble with strategy there, going onto three stopper when you know uh, um, the safety car came out early. Uh, if there was a late safety car, it would have played into my hands. But 
there stacking wasn't. In the pits with yeah, stacking's never good. I mean, um, that was disappointing. Um, obviously, that's, you know, small touch with Frosty early, and that actually bent the steering. So from lap three or four on, the steering was a bit bent, and uh, yeah, it was a bit of a, a tough race. But uh, as I said, yeah, strategy was heavily compromised. Uh, but as I said, if the safety car had come in the last ten laps, I probably could have easily got back on the podium. So uh, we'll take the points. Disappointing, but uh, go back to Townsville. Uh, everything will make a lot of sense there. I think uh, the cars will be will be right back, challenging for the lead again. This is just a strange track. These conditions here, nothing made sense on our car. No, the usual things that worked didn't. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm confident we won't sort of see a repeat of of uh, what we experienced in the races here. The, the pit lane stacking seems to upset a lot of people's race strategies, and it's also becoming a bit of a safety issue for the people working in pit lane. Are, are people starting to think, is there a better way? Oh, I mean, a lot of people toss up different ideas, but uh, I think at the end of the day, um, there's no real solution at the moment. I mean, they could close pit lane during safety cars. Um, but uh, That's right, then you're going to see everyone in at the same time. So, um, you know, it's... You know, it's catch-22 a little bit in a way. And, um, yeah, it is disappointing when you're racing your teammate for the championship and, and it's the same for Triple Eight. You know, your biggest rival is your teammate because you've got to be ahead of him when that happens because it just screws your race. So he'd only a lap before sort of done a pretty big move on me. Um, and, yeah, and then I was second behind him, ruined my whole race. So, anyway, we're both well aware of that. That's just the way it goes. Um, so, yeah, it, it is disappointing, but I don't know what else you can do. Well, uh, all the best of luck for Townsville. We're hopefully you can turn it back around. Yeah, we will. Cheers. My thanks to Peter Norton and Will Davison there. Also to Tony Shebecki and Stefan Bartholomeus. As the chequered flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.